Congregation, it's not, it's not always easy for children to understand the sermon. Especially not if it is from Galatians or Corinthians. And many children prefer a Bible story. So that's why we in the past have started a series on David for the children. And yet I experienced that preaching a Bible story is not so easy. It's actually easier to preach on Romans. Because to find the lessons in the story is difficult. So I wanted to pause there. And maybe someday the Lord gives opening and light to pick it up again. Maybe not. We will see. But today I still think of the children. And I feel a desire to preach on the parable. The parable of the sower or the seed or the soil. This week or so I was teaching student Claire and we spent half a day on this parable. We made columns from Matthew and Mark and Luke and tried to compare the differences and the way they express themselves. And it's quite interesting and it also touched my heart. Touched my heart a few times. And I thought, well, why don't I preach that same parable? So the parable of the seed or of the sower today. The text is from Luke 8, the verses 1 and following. The verses 5 and following. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, etc., so what is coming from the seed? Three thoughts. The seed sown, the seed wasted in three different ways, and the seed bringing forth fruit. So what is coming from the seed? The seed sown, secondly the seed wasted, on the road and on rocky places and among the thorns, and the seed bring forth fruit, falling in well-prepared soil. Congregation, young friends, I see the Lord Jesus in a ship close to the shore. That ship is his pulpit, and the people are on the shore, thousands of them. Maybe 5,000 or so. And the sound of the voice of the Lord Jesus carries over the water and reaches the shore and they can all listen if they're quiet. A multitude. They come from every city it says. From all over the place. All over Israel. From the north and the south and from all different directions. There's so much hunger. Really? Interest? I want to know that. I want to to hear it. They hear his preaching is very special. He speaks in a different way than the Pharisees. He speaks with authority. So they are coming. And the Lord Jesus preaches to them. They have traveled 
for hours and hours, and now he preaches from the boat. The master is going to teach them. The master is going to teach the disciples what to think of this. Because does the Lord work in all those thousands? Are they all converted? Do we have our do we have high expectation of all those thousands? Or are there different reasons why they are coming? So the Lord Jesus spoke in parables. What is a parable? Now you've seen the parable the word para. Right? Para means alongside. And we see part of the word balo. Balo in Greek is to throw. Like we throw a ball. So parabolo, to throw something alongside, to compare. Something to explain. And so the Lord Jesus often spoke in parables, in throwing something alongside to compare with. But why did the Lord Jesus speak in parables? Do you know that? I'm sure many say because parables are simple and parables explain things in a very beautiful way. You know, that's actually not the reason. I don't read that in the Bible. What I read in verse 9 and 10 of this chapter is this. And his disciples asked him, saying what might this parable be? And he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may, might not see, and hearing they might not understand. So the Lord Jesus preaching in parables to hide to not explain things, but to hide things, to make sure that this is the mystery, because it is given to the disciples, to his people, to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to others it is not given. So that's why the Lord Jesus speaks in parables, so that it does not come through. That's why Isaiah 6 is quoted here. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. So the Lord Jesus is hiding things and then explaining the parables to his disciples. So we have the privilege to have not only the parable, but also the explanation in the same chapter. But they, the, those, 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 those crowds did not have that. So they just tried to find their own application. But the Lord Jesus told the disciples, this is the application. That seed is the word, for example. So that is discouraging, you would say. 
But I cannot hide this when we approach this parable, all three parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, same parable, in three different ways, they all address this. The Lord is free, and he may do with the clay as he desires. However, we may hear the parable this morning also with the explanation of it. It's actually the only parable with such a detailed explanation. We should not allegorize other parables, but this parable is an explanation of how the Lord wanted it to come through. So let us see what this parable is about. I think of a field in Israel, a field of the farmer. And he has collected the seed in a bag or in a container. And he comes to the land and he looks over the land and he sees the field, they're ready to be sowed. And he takes the seed with handfuls in his hands and he scatters it to sow generously, amazingly generously. He does not take something in his hand and just along the road, just carefully sowing the seed that nothing will fall on the road, you know. No. He does not kind of feel his fingers how deep the soil is so that he can avoid that place. No, he sows the seed everywhere. And there are certain places he might know there, is, there are also roots and, and, and weeds, but he doesn't care. He just throws the seed all over the place. The word that is important here is the word indiscriminately. Everywhere. Generously. And that is typically something the Lord Jesus did, right? He was also sowing the seed so generously to the people. He sees that whole that the crowd of people. And he does not single them out, but he preached the word of God to all of them. The Lord Jesus was quite interested in doing that. He saw those multitudes and often was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed the sick. Or think of that expression about Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. So the Lord Jesus was a willing Savior, and he was sowing the seed all over the place. So, also this morning, I do not only preach to certain people, but I may sow the seed indiscriminately. Let me say it in this way. 
I sowed the seed in the very corners of the sanctuary. Also, there are empty pews. And I sowed the seed in the aisle. Because the Word of God is preached to all of us. It falls on your lap. It lands on your head. It comes to your attention. The Word of God comes to all of us. See? Not one person has skipped this one. Have you ever seen this sower? Do you know him? Has it become a wonder to you that he is still sowing this seed or sow in your direction? Do we realize that the Savior speaks to us? Whosoever we are, we all have been exposed many times to the Word of God, to the seed of the sower. Have you heard his word? The seed is the gospel. The seed is the gospel of the mysteries of God. And what is the gospel? Could you summarize the gospel for me? Children, young people, what is the gospel? What is the seed? What is the seed that I sow to all of you? On all of you? What is the gospel? Just mention a text from the Bible, maybe. So God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. And that is preached to all. Have you heard it? So the sower is the seed. He takes his seed. He has come from heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ has come from heaven. And he is sowing the seed. He is the speaker. And deep down also this morning hour, the Lord Jesus speaks the gospel indiscriminately to all of us. But let us go to the second thought. The seed wasted. The sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. We spoke on the, the sower already. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. By the wayside, and I was a child, I always wondered. By the wayside? So on the side of the road or on the road? Actually, it means on the road. It's too difficult to explain that, but in the original language, it means also on the road. So they saw us sowing the seed everywhere and just didn't care about the road and the, the path and the, the trails. There's seeds everywhere, everywhere. So went out, the willing one. But some fell by the wayside that is not by accident, on purpose. He didn't care wherever it would fall. It had to fall everywhere. This was not an accident. But what's happening? 
some fell by the wayside, and then it says a sentence I had not seen before. I'd never heard before. Maybe, maybe you did. And it was trodden down. The seed on the road. And people stepped on it. And then the fowls, then the, then, then the birds took it. But first it says, it was trodden down. People had no respect for the seed on the, on, on the road. They just crushed it under their feet. What does that mean, you think? Well, it means that sinners have no respect for the gospel and step on the gospel. We are reading in the Bible that we should not throw pearls for the swine. But in a way, the Lord is doing that. In a way, the Lord is spreading those seeds to them that step on it. Let me give you a few examples from the Bible about that stepping on it, about being trampled, trodden down. I mentioned already about the swine, Matthew 7, verse 6, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rent you. Trample under their feet. So I hope that's not happening this morning. But I'm afraid it will happen. I'm afraid I'm sowing the seed in the aisle and in your, on your head and, and you just step on it. Hebrews 10, verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. See? Trod and the no respect for it. So the people mentioned here are the people that don't care and don't listen and don't receive the word and just let Satan take it. Because when people don't respect it, then they don't listen and then there are no, no impressions and Satan thinks this is an easy prey for me. Because the word of God is boring to them. It's dull. And not interesting at all. So they step on it. And then Satan is there to take it. Right? Look at verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Okay, they hear. 
then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. Out of their hearts? Well, it was on their heart, right? It was not really very deep in their heart. Lest they should believe and be saved. So Satan hates it when people would believe and be saved. He does not want it to happen. So he likes it when people just step on the gospel and step on, 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 on the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Savior, and just continue with his life. And he picks it to any lies laughing so that they would not believe and would not be saved. See? He hinders people to believe. He doesn't want people to believe at all. Oh, woe unto them that hinder people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Woe unto them that say, don't believe, please. Don't do it. That's not for you to do. So that block the road and say, don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's, that, that's Satan. Satan loves that. Because he doesn't want them to believe and to be saved. Beloved congregation, the seed is falling on your, on, on your heart, but you may step on the gospel. And how long are you now doing that? For how many years have you, are you now showing ingratitude? The seed is generally spread and people keep resisting, resisting the Holy Ghost, like our fathers also us. So hearken, it says in Matthew, hearken, behold, pay attention. This is serious. And let me already insert something about conversion. What happens when the Lord gives conversion? For example, this. He shows you that you have been stepping on the gospel your whole life. That the seed was sown in church went over your head and you didn't care. And Satan won. And you have given in. And if you realize that, there is such a pain in your soul. Such a shame in your heart. You feel such a contrition, such a brokenness, and you feel so guilty for having done it all those years, trodden under feet, and let Satan pick it away. Then you don't, don't, then you don't accuse God anymore. Then you don't blame the Lord anymore. Then you don't blame anyone anymore. Then you blame yourself. By the wayside. Let's go to the next piece of that thought on the rocks. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe. 
and in time of temptation fall away. So there is a sheet of rock under that topsoil. Maybe a few inches of soil and then it's the stone. You don't see that, but you, you may know it. The farmer was usually familiar with the land, so he may avoid that piece. But in this case, he's just sowing indiscriminately, also on those places. And the seed got warm very soon and germinated. And you see a little green on the field, and you're sitting on your knees, and you look over the field, you see that this certain place is green already. And that it's very promising. But then the sun is coming up and getting harder, and there's not enough moisture in that thin layer of topsoil. And it is very soon withering, and it dies. The seeds are cooking. What does it mean? Well, as it says, some received the word of God immediately. Anon, it says in one of the Gospels. And there is a joy in there. And you would think if people received the word, received the gospel with joy. Man, that must be the Lord. That must be saving. Because they are not just cold, they're warm. They're, they're interested. They love it. They love the gospel. They hear it, and they, it makes them happy. It is so encouraging. It's a word of hope. It's something positive. They like it. They like to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, when tribulation comes, or persecution because of the word, Matthew said, then they are offended, and they stumble and fall, and they cannot believe anymore. Because they say, why is this happening to me? I, 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 I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want to serve this God who is doing this to me. So then there is a hatred in the heart. Something they don't like at all. So you did not expect this to happen. Of such a person. Because the person was so filled with enthusiasm. Such a warmth. There's a zeal, there's a passion. You were, you were jealous of it. So, you know, he has something that I don't have. And then it comes all to nothing. That is frightening, isn't it? But the Lord Jesus was instructing the disciples, and they saw that huge crowd of people. And he kind of said, don't make a mistake. They all follow us. They are interested. They all have impressions. But they're not all saved.
Let me connect this to Hebrews 6. For it is impossible for those who were, were once enlightened, enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, tasted, experienced, and will make partakers of the Holy Ghost. Partakers of the Holy Ghost. That's something. And have tasted, again, we tasted the good word of God. Tasted the gospel. Experienced the gospel. And the powers of the world to come. They have also seen that hope of the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. And they fall away. They fall away. Don't be too surprised when it's happening. Don't let it confuse you too much if you see it happening. Some people so filled with enthusiasm and such a zeal and a passion and then nothing is left. They do not persevere. They do not endure. And therefore we must preach also this morning, he that thinketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. We must encourage those that may know the Lord to endure to the end, because they need to persevere. And that perseverance is the Lord's work, right? But the Lord works that persevering by threatening them and promising them and warning them. As we know, God's children cannot lose their salvation, but do not misuse that doctrine. Don't misuse that. Endure to the end. Fight the good fight of faith. Strive to enter in. Satan tries to deceive even the very elect. Do not underestimate him. But also keep in mind what Asaph writes. Asaph writes in Psalm 73, But as for me, my feet almost are almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was at the edge of the I almost slipped. I almost let all go. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. My heart was grieved. I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. So Asaph was almost an almost Christian. was almost a temporary Christian. Almost slipped. Very nigh. See? So dear child of God, does it feel as if you have lost all your faith? As if nothing is left? 
or backsliding, Israel, return to your maker. The Lord knows. And this brings to the Lord's attention this Psalm 73. And then among the thorns, you see that sow is sowing the seed? Is it so that he is seeing the wheat ready? And he sows the seed among the wheat? Or is it so that he does not see the wheat, that it only seeds under the ground, and that it will appear in the future that those seeds are there? Maybe, maybe both. Anyway, the sower is sowing the seed again indiscriminately all over the place, on the road and in the stony places and also among the thorns. He is almost wasting the seed time. He is not fruitful at all. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So the seed falls germinate together with the weeds, and the weeds are growing faster, and uh, plants, the seeds, the soil has sown, kind of suffer, and the plant does not get so high, and there is not, not, no head of, of wheat there, and if there is, it is just empty, it is not growing to perfection, it does not mature. Those seeds don't mature. Because they're choked. You know what it is, right? To choke someone. To suffocate someone. You can choke a person by putting your arm around his neck. right? You can also choke seeds by just taking the light away and competing with them and taking the moisture away. And the nutrition away. So those plants don't do well. I think that is today in our church happening the most. Or is it more that people are just trodding the seed? I'm not so sure. Maybe that's wrong. Well. But this is about people that he heard kind of like it, kind of are conservative and go to church and read the Bible at all and do a lot of good things and are not indifferent at all. However, they are so busy. So busy with so many things. Busy with the work you're doing and busy with at home and busy with your hobbies and busy with your children and busy with the garden and busy with so much. All good things. All things acceptable. But it stands in the way. It takes the light away. It takes the energy away. And therefore, 
that there is God is not brought to perfection. So we are choking the seed. The seed germinates, little plants are formed, the bees go faster, and nothing comes out of it. May I ask, is something in the way in your life? Are you deceived by mammon? That's what it says, right? Deceived. See it in verse 14. And they which fell among the thorns are they which, when they heard, have heard, go forth and choke with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no, for, no fruit to perfection. And in all the other Gospels it says, the deceitfulness of riches. Because Satan is deceiving, and people may deceive themselves, but riches also deceives people. It says, I can make you happy. If you have more, if you have more money, and more wealth, and more, more, more real estate, and more, more, more land, and more business, it will make you happier. It is not true. It also doesn't bring you any salvation. It often stands in the way. I see that also in Matthew 16. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, preoccupied heart. The soul filled with the things of his life. There's no room. There's no undivided choice. It is kind of trying to serve two masters. Mammon, money, and the Lord. And you can only serve one at a time. Also frightening. What is the purpose of this parable? Let's look back at those three possibilities. On the road, and on the rocky ground, and along the thorns. Let us look back for a while. Do we receive this parable fatalistically? I mean, I mean this. Do you not say, well, I am like the rocky ground, or I'm too busy, or I am comparable to the seed falling on the thin layer of the topsoil. So you, 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 you find yourself somewhere in those examples. And then you may say, that's the way it is. I cannot change that. But you know that is not what the parable is about. Let me show you what the Cairns of Dorset about this. 
They even quote this parable. On page 107, you can find it in the back of your Salter book. Article 9. It is not the fault of the gospel, nor of Christ offer therein. See that? It is not the fault of the gospel, nor of Christ offer therein. Nor of God, who calls men by the gospel and confers upon them various gifts, that those who are called by the ministry of the word refuse to come and be converted. The fault lies in themselves. Some of whom, when called, regardless of their danger, reject the word of life. Others, though they receive it, suffer it not to make a lasting impression on their hearts. So they push it out. They don't want this to make a lasting impression on their heart. Therefore, the joy arising only from a temporary faith soon vanishes and they fall away, while others choke the seed of the earth by perplexing cares and the pleasures of this world and produce no fruit. This our Savior teaches in the parable of the sower. So not fatalistically, not saying, well, that's the way it is. I am such a God, or such a God. No, it says, don't reject it. Don't let it make only a temporary impression on you. Don't let it choke the seed. The emphasis is on responsibility, not on fact. Also this morning, the reason is of preaching this is to make you feel responsible. Because you step on the seed. Or you allow, you allow Satan to remove the seed. And you don't let it take a lasting impression on you. And you, you choke it yourself. So the parable is an exhortation to self-examination. And leading either to basic conversion or else to further sanctification. But now seed is also falling in good soil. But now the wonder, some seed is falling on good ground. It springs up, it bears fruit, a hundredfold, sixty, thirty. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. They that are on the good ground are they which in an honest heart in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So let's go, let, let, let's go over that. In an honest, good heart, having heard, keep it, bring forth fruit 
with patience. How encouraging after having heard about the seed on the road and seed on the stony places and seed among the thorns, you get, you get kind of down, right? Does it ever work? Yes, it does. There's also seed falling in good ground. So what is good ground? Can we make good ground? Is there ever good ground to be found? What's meant, of course, is that the Lord makes the ground. But the emphasis here is on responsibility. On good ground. Good ground is the ground where the the soil is not so hard. Where the word of God is not trodden down. Where it is not just enthusiasm. Where it is not being choked by the world and the pleasure of this life, but there is honesty and beauty. An honest heart. The Lord makes honest. He makes people genuine. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to make people real. And then they begin to receive the word. Receiving, he means believing it. Think of those people on the day of Pentecost. When the Lord, then the apostle Peter warned them, they were pricked in their hearts, right? But they received the word of God with gladness in their heart. That, that, That receiving of the gospel with both hands, Embracing it, receiving it in an honest and good heart. So that means truly receiving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just saying, resisting it, but the opposite, receiving it. And then to keep it, to hold on to it, not only for the time, but to keep it to endure and to the end so that you one day may bear the crown that fadeth not away. To bring forth fruit with patience. With patience means continually. Not only one time, but just keep, keep bearing fruit. Some seed has fallen enveloped that soil. Does that mean that the ground was plowed deep beforehand? Some say so, but I don't believe that. It doesn't say in the Bible. And in those countries, in those days, they did no till. No till farming. So there was no deep plow even available. They just plowed uh, after they had sown the seed. So they're sowing the seed and they cover it with, lightly with a wooden plow. But anyway, it was prepared. It was prepared by the Lord. The Lord had, had, had changed their hearts and the faces and thorns could not beat it. The faces and the thorns, the pleasure of this life could not win it. There was such a desire 
for God, a hunger for the living God, that they were persisting and keeping it and bearing fruit in patience. So they kept clinging to it. Conversion is when seed falls in honest and good ground. I know nobody is good and honest, but the Lord by his Holy Spirit makes people able to let the seed come into their hearts. And they bring forth fruits like, like what fruits? Repentance. Deep repentance as a fruit of it. I have neglected such great salvation. I have been stepping on the gospel my whole life. What a wonder that I'm still alive. Oh, the Lord gives us so a hunger for God, a desire for the Lord, a desire for holiness. He gives also the fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control and so much more. So those fruits are on the, on that, on the, star, on the star that shows you the power of God. He changes people's insight. He draws people to God. He quickens from the dead. By the word, the word that falls on their heart. And the word is like a fire, like a hammer, like a two-edged sword, right? And it's sharp, and it pieces and it cuts in pieces and it opens the heart and it shows you what's inside. We are worthy people. Pardon me? Well, you have a soul, right? You have a precious soul worth millions and millions and millions. And you deserve nothing. So you have a precious soul. You should also take care of that soul for eternity. You have a precious soul. And that soul is made by the Lord, created by the Lord. And you should take care of yourself. But although we are precious people, you all are, you may say to yourself that you have a precious soul and that you are a human made in God's image. At the same time, you also must admit your sins and your unworthiness. Unworthy to be saved and to come unto the Lord. How encouraging for the disciples. You know, you know the example of Isaiah 55? About rain and snow. Do you? Rain, children. Rain falls from high down, right? Have you ever seen rain coming down and going back? Have you seen rain rising? You've seen snow falling down. Have you seen snow going up? 
For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, it does not return, but water the earth, and make it bring forth, and but it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. No, the rain comes down and stays there, and this fertilizes, watereth the earth. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. The word of God is sown. It does not go back void. But it shall accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the thing but to I send it. That's the Lord's work. So that is the fourth type of soil, right? Do you see the soil? Now Abraham and the seed where the promise is made, he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Christ is also the seed himself. And he goes, he, he dies, and he goes in the ground. This is a burial. The seed is covered. And he rose from the dead, bearing fruit. 1 Corinthians 15. So the seed is doing the work. Christ is doing it. Not the soil is doing it. The seed is doing it. And it works 30, 60, 100 fold. So people of God go for more. There's more. Strive to enter in. That the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ might increase. And that he may bear more fruit. That is to the honor and the glory of the Lord. But do not separate those first three from the last one now. As if those first three, the seed on the road and the seed on the rocky soil and the seed on the thistles, as, as if those first three have no meaning for God's people. They do. Because God's people also have times that the seed falls on the road and they step on it again. And deny the master. And God's people also have times that there's enthusiasm, but that with Asaph they almost slipped. And God's people also can be close to losing their salvation because of all the things of this life so interesting and so enticing and so addicting. But what they need is what they need is that truly receiving it, right? One Thessalonians one verse six, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that's what we are in need of, having received the word, maybe in much affliction but with joy of the Holy Ghost. 
and keeping it and bringing forth fruits in patience. You know, you're going to class. Someone is saying, Minister, I feel a thistle. I feel choked by the thistles. I feel I cannot change it. So this does not give hope to me. Well, listen then to Isaiah 55. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So even if you say, I don't have anything of this, the Lord is still doing a wonderful work. And the seed is coming, the gospel is coming to you, to all of you, indiscriminately. Amen.